You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. This is episode number 303 of East Centralia's favorite podcast. Sorry, any other podcasters in the room. It's just the reality. I'm Jeremiah Morrill. Uh, today I'm joined by uh, executive video producer, audio engineer, uh, the guy that touches hot wires every day that nearly gets us killed and canceled, Zach Burcham, and the guy who works with live wires every day for a living, my forever co-host, Mr. Dakota Davis. What do we have planned today? Today's episode features Mr. Jared Schrock and Caleb Jackson. They host the Two Tires and Fuel Only podcast. It is a East Central Indiana-based racing podcast. They're here to tell us a little bit about themselves, about the podcast that they host, the future of their show. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about racing as well in there. And then we're also going to talk about the Indianapolis 500, recap it, everything that happened. Um, I wrote the show notes, so there's some. I'm sure there's some things that I missed, Jeremiah. Some things that might have been more interesting that I didn't catch. So, um, if you want to hear all those things, make sure you stick around and listen to that part of the show. Yeah, you didn't write in there anywhere about Pato Award throwing everything away, uh, but that's okay. We'll get to it. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Hope, uh, sometimes we'll provoke you, other times we'll make you laugh, but hopefully you'll always learn something new. Uh, if you are a member of our Patreon, you learned what, Dakota? We like a certain kind of chip. That's right. There's chips on the table. We tried them. Uh, Patreon.com slash Boss Hog of Liberty. That's where you can go to support the show on a monetary basis uh, every month. They start at $5 a month, and then we go all the way up to $50 a month. Um, the way the Patreon works is like you sign up, you pay money. You get some bonuses. You get show notes that have included links. They also go through everything we're going to be talking about. You can follow along ahead of time, or you can read them beforehand and just see what we're going to talk about. And then uh, we also can we also give you access to a Facebook group that is only for you, and you also get a 20-minute bonus episode every week, and that is where we do our uh, stupid human tricks like eating spicy mustard chips. And, uh, Before the main show, and you never know how it's going to go. Right. Uh, if we have a bad look on our faces, it's probably because Dakota's stupid human trick backfired. Right. Well, Check local listings. It could be seventeen minutes. It could be twenty-two. Don't. It's not a. It's a. Uh, it's an implied contract, not a legal contract. That you're getting twenty minutes each week. All right. Sean Rao has not written anything about it. So, <laughs> um, that's right. Patreon.com/slash Boss Hog of Liberty, and the folks that give us fifty dollars or more a month, they get a shout out at the front of every episode. And those folks are Mr. Jonathan Phillips, who is running for City Council Ward Two in Newcastle, Indiana. Then we have Mr. Anthony Meyer. Who is uh, he's trying to get your packages from all across the country? He's delivering things in his eighteen wheel truck. He's Mister FedEx now. That's right. He's a different breed. And then we have Miss Christy Avery from all the way in Fort Wayne, Indiana. She's our favorite Norwex dealer. So make sure you give her a call for your household needs. Then we also have merchandise. Just send us an email at Dakota or Jeremiah at BossHogOfLiberty dot com, and we will get you hooked up with something custom. 
we can do whatever you want now. It's not even like a listing. You can do anything. Jeremiah is holding up his cup right now that was made for him um, by the Dainty Daisy, and it's got the Boss Hog of Liberty logo on it. They can make you just a Boss Hog of Liberty cup, or the cup, the sticker for the Boss Hog of Liberty can be on the bottom, whatever you want to do. So you want to put it on the very bottom and not show it off to anybody, right? Or only when you when you tip it back. When you're and tipping take, it back yeah, when you tip it yeah. back. It's an Easter egg when you finish your beverage. That's right. Right. Just to, just to support us, but not to actually admit it to your friends. That's that's the way we want to do it. You'd be it surprised. Here. She does a lot of stuff with, with designs on the bottoms of the cups, and they look pretty cool. So it's, it is a cool Easter egg. All right, let's get right into it. So, Jared and Caleb, Caleb. I know your parents. This is the first time I've ever met you. I know. That's what I was saying. See, so, on the inside, Dakota is 58 years old. <laughs> oh, you're, you're Sue and John's boy, are you? <laughs> well, I'd hate to, say, hate to admit how many times my mom and um, his mother-in-law have been together. Yeah, a lot. They're best friends. Yeah. Uh, but you're friends with my wife on Facebook because you guys know each other. And then she told me you had a podcast and then she told me you had a racing podcast and it was like, Oh, okay. Well, that has to happen. And it has to, we got to get them in whenever we're talking about racing stuff, which is the whole month of May. And, uh, wanted to get you guys in here, but you guys have the two tires and fuel only podcast. Wait, 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 stop. Let, what, go to why, what, what, why, what? why do you think it, they would have a show called that? I don't know. I was getting ready to ask. I was getting ready to ask. I think, it's, that I think it's more fun for you to guess why they would ever, choose that name um well because we get asked all the time why the hell we're boss Hogger liberty and i can't explain it so, so why do you think why do you think they would be two tires and fuel well, the first thing that my mind went to which is not the same is when lightning mcqueen is going in the last lap and he says no tires just gas so you're on the right you're <laughs> on the right path actually i knew that had to be an easter egg in the movie that's one of the things I wanted to watch the movie with Jeremiah sometimes so docu- that he could that's point out everything to That's a documentary, by the me. way. That's, yeah. That's a, I've oh, never seen it, so I can't you've wait. You've never seen Cars? Uh, it's been a long time. Those are great movies. I, I saw the first one. Just You should watch three. I've seen the first three one. Three is spectacular. You'd appreciate three. Three is the best. Well, maybe you can. I just Somebody gave me a projector today. Maybe we'll have a viewing in Mid-Ohio. All right. So, Dakota, you were saying. Yeah, so I was saying that's where my mind went. And then whenever I saw the name of the podcast... I've connected it with cars and I was like, that has to be something. And then I tried Googling it and I couldn't find anything. <laughs> I found nothing. All right. Wait. So if they're, this if they're taking, two? if they're taking two tires and fuel, which two tires do you think they're taking? Um, the right side. That's a good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that's the way where the pitch is. Up. So, and how many tires are there? There's four. So why would you only right. take two? Because there'd be more wear on that side due to the pitch of the and track. You, and what would you save by not taking the less? What? What do you mean? What would you save? So why would you not want to take less? Uh, just for speed purposes. Yes. To get out of the pit pass. Figured it out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's it. He's done the story problem. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. It's been a great show. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thank I didn't know if it was a story. Like if, no. there's a, there, if there was a historic racing moment where some guy was the first to do it, and then he came out on top by the skin of his teeth or something. Oh, that had to have happened. But this is a big pit it, road strategy. Yeah. Oh, okay. At the end of the race, especially, um, well, with, with NASCAR, they have st- stage breaks now where those are pretty important. Uh, Fake racing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. Strategy call at the end of the race. Um, 
And it's one of those things where you want to start a podcast and you start looking at all the other names out there and you're like, oh, those are kind of cool names. And then, uh, yeah, for me, it was just like you take tires and fuel at the, you know, with maybe a green, white checkered in the future. And now because your name is supposed to be half, like it's half as fast. Do you, do you find yourself limiting the amount of time you're able to be on the air? (laughs) (laughs) I was a real long two tires stop guys. I I would say that hour and 17 minutes this week. I would say we are taking two tires and fuel only because we know about half as much information as we want to know before we (laughs) get on the air and then we start kicking it off. So it's like, let's just roll with it and see if we can win this thing. All right. That's what podcasts are all about. Is there a splash and go podcast? There probably is. It might be like, I would say in correlation with the gas station come and go, but (laughs) that's not for me to, you know, I guess speculate on. Spelled K-U-M though. Yeah. For the, for those, those, those. We actually brought you guys something. I wanted to. You brought a gift? Yeah, we brought you guys some gifts. All right. So, uh, this we're going to start. start. I, w- I want to tell you, last week it was Tony Kanon's shoe. So I, uh, I, I have. I have <laughs> what are you hopes. trying to do here, Jared? You're trying, to, you're trying to become our favorite guests above Nancy Custer? Yeah. So these are uh, some two tires and fuel only uh, coffee oh, we got mugs. Some mugs. That's fantastic. And I can offer you a commemorative sticker in return. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide this race car in there. This is actually oh, that just, is a John Andretti. It is. So I'm glad I'm glad you noticed it. So I have a bunch of small die casts at home. Jeremiah uh, recognized it before, and I I was like, man, I don't know if I can relate to to IndyCar or like you know road course racing or uh, anything as far as NASCAR goes of stuff that I have. But then I saw that sweet John Andretti ride, and I was like, you know what? Let me. Uh, oh yeah. So give that away. I th- I don't know if I've told this story. I think I'm sure I probably have, but probably the day John died, we had to do a podcast. That sucked. Uh, the reason I became a big IndyCar fan was following John. Really? Was from his stock car side, and he came back to IndyCar and followed John over, and I was like, well, now I'm hooked. Uh, so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Well, I'm glad you guys like it. Yeah, the uh, the coffee mugs. Uh, be be sure to to show those off. We actually got these as gifts from. Uh, Josh Hotson Pillar and his wife Elizabeth. Um, she does a lot of the the merchandise uh, stuff, like for for her part time stuff at home. And uh, yeah, we got some koozies. Um, and, and our merchandise has not gone live yet, so this is like a you guys are these Patreons are very, of, uh, our, very, of our very podcast early. trial yeah. run. So, here. but anyways, yeah. Once we get that stuff up and running, we will uh, you know have a website for it. And if you guys ever follow us, I'm gonna, those I, that are listening, I'm going to be like a diamond. Uh, diamond inspector over here with my flashlight trying to turn this on and actually see I'm trying to read the door up here. There might be some dust. It does say it does say John Andretti. I was like, man, I hope I really hope it's not a Bobby Hamilton yeah, right. passing this off on me, you know? <laughs> well there's a lot of uh like I guess when I look at the forty three car and those that have raced for, for Petty in the past, like AJ Almondinger raced, you know, for uh Petty Motorsports at one time and he came, I guess, from the the Indy car side. Yeah. So. yeah. Kyle Petty would say that it wasn't really Petty Enterprises at that point. It's fake. But yes. Kyle, yeah, Petty, has, Kyle Petty has a lot to it's say. It's Legacy Motor Club now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a... They have, a, they have an official team mascot. It's yeah. an 85-year-old cup champion. No kidding. They parade him around every weekend. <laughs> that's that's what it started. Look, hey, he gets a free pass and gets to gets to be the king. So it's, it's good work yeah. if he can get it. You should take that home with you because the next time my son's in the studio... He's going to steal it'll, it? It'll end up in his pocket. You, I didn't know. I, how do you raise a klepto and just say it's fine? Oh, it's just cars. <laughs> Anything to do with cars, he's going to take it. 
And you need to take him to a racetrack. So what you need to do. Yep, there, it's in the it's in the plans. All right, so tell tell us, uh, Caleb, what what's your hook on racing? What gets you what you get you in, into this, and to the point where you have enough fandom to say, I'm going to have a I'm going to be on a racing podcast. Well, I mean, it, <clears throat> it originally started growing up um, with the Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon fandom. It really kind of got Team Rainbow or Team Black. I was Rainbow, and then you said it out loud. That's that's, that's good. it's important. Yes, it is June. It's June, so. <laughs> um, but, um, no, it, it kind of got sparked that way and fueled my, my grandfather and my, my grandma liked it. Um, and then also one of my dad's best friends who's neighbor to them, um, Daryl Ferguson, he was a, a Dale Earnhardt fan and him and my dad would see each other almost every day. And it was just kind of one of those things that just sparked interest and it was just fun. Um, and then years went on and I stayed, stayed into the sport a little bit and now it's, when Jeff Gordon stepped away, Chase Elliott took over the 24 car and that was kind of just, I got, I stayed with the 24 car and then he moved to the nine car to follow his dad. Um, so I've, I've, I've traveled along that. Those Who the hell are you cheering for this weekend then? <laughs> He's parked. <laughs> Corey LaJoy. But it will be cool to see Corey LaJoy driving that car. Stacking pennies with him this weekend. He's stack. I saw uh, Bubba Wallace tweeted out and said stacking quarters. Today. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a little bit better, uh, better equipment this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. But and Jared reached Jared and I went to college together and we talked about it a little bit in college, weren't as invested in as it is now. But then when he got back from uh, the Marines and when I found out he wasn't living too far away from me, kind of sparked interest back into it. And then about two or three years later, and now we're doing this. Very good. And Jared, you're what's your, was it NASCAR? Was it short track stuff? What was, what was your, uh, your impetus no i mean honestly like uh my dad took me to the track uh we were at the brickyard 400 practice um and i vaguely remember seeing the details of like the the wall in turn three and in the catch fence uh and you know the the number three car coming down the back stretch and then what year are we talking about here uh 98 maybe all right um and so i'm five years old and uh my dad's a Terry Labonte fan and so good man yeah i i grew up strong choices yeah grew up watching eating a lot of kellogs oh yeah absolutely um but anyways yeah so i grew up a Terry Labonte fan but i i remember those two distinctly out on the track and that was really as a kid all i can remember from being in uh at the track in person of course they had you know events growing up where you you know the drivers would have you know, whatever backup car or car used cars that they didn't have before um, at events around Indy during the brickyard and stuff. So we would, you know, go to those events. And I remember getting pictures in front of Jeff Gordon's car and things of that nature. But um, where I, Logan Sport, where I grew up, is, you know, close to the old US 24 Speedway. And, um, you know, Tommy Corcoran, uh, one of my friends that we had on the show, I know his family does a lot of racing out there. I, I, I vaguely remember going to that track growing up. Um, but I, I was so involved with, you know, the stick and ball sports, uh, growing up that I, I kind of, I didn't lose interest in it. It's just Terry Labonte was done racing, you know, in the early two thousands. So, uh, and then he was driving like the number 96, like the LP car that nobody cared about. So, uh, Troy Aikman cared. Yeah, of course. But, but anyways, yeah. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't something that throughout my teen years, I was really hooked on. I was more interested in getting better at sports and, and going to college to play basketball. And then, um, one day, um, uh, you know, I was on, I was 
active duty for three years in the Marine Corps. And uh, I was in Japan, and the time difference is 13 hours. So um, you can imagine, like, trying to watch sports. It's just like you, you don't, you know. So uh, American sports are not on at, at the times that, you know, you would typically watch them. And so, anyways, I, I flipped on a race. Uh, I, I don't I can't remember if it was morning or nighttime. And I saw that uh, Justin Haley was, was running a – I think it was a truck race. And um, – you know, they said Winnemac, Indiana, which is you know right down the road from where I grew up. So I decided to you know start YouTubing, and you're, went, you're all in. Yeah, and then next thing you know, like I, I really. Uh, so this is before he ran Daytona and had his. Yeah, before. Yeah, yeah all of that. You're, you're fan number one. You're, you're Justin Haley is like Alex Palo for my wife and I. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. and I mean, how long's Alex the, been in? in 2020 the sport? came over here day one with yeah to America, same thing. Yeah, and that's where Sarah and I were OG. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. But that's what's cool. It's like if if, if you're not a uh, a race fan or you're not really into it or you used to be, I feel like there's you got to have a driver or a team to to really be invested in it and um it's not it's not about race cars or uh it's not necessarily about the hey yeah, this race car is going fast whatever. It, it it's about personalities, right? It's the personal right. story that yeah. that gets people interested in. 100% so, and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I've never been to the Kentucky Derby, but I can't imagine the people that go down there, are, you know, even when they're placing money, aren't putting money on one horse, you know, you don't have to know the horses down there. It's not, it's not the connection that you have with a, with the race car driver. But all I'm trying to say is, is you, you typically have somebody out there that you're rooting for. Right. So, um, that's really what draw or drew me back into, into racing. And then the podcast idea came later. Yep. It is interesting because <clears throat> as a, as we've gone through all these series, I think every year we've had a, a, a Indy 500 preview episode at least. And I'm not a big racing fan, but I, I am a, uh, a fan of UFC. So I like to watch fighting, and I've noticed that the parallel there is you're, you're focused on a one individual. So like you just said, it's not about like, oh, the racing. It's like you're invested in this one person's story. You enjoy watching them their rises and whenever they, they fail, you feel it with them. And there's a, there's a personal connection with the athlete that you're watching or that you're rooting for or something versus a team. It's, it's much less personal. It's just more of like, uh, an identity with like a tribe. You identify with a group of people and it's, it's, it's way less individualized that way. And in motorsports, you've got the opportunity where you can actually interact with these folks. You know what? The most recent NASCAR race I went to was, I think it was with Zach. We were at, it was the first IndyCar NASCAR weekend and I'm walking, walking back towards the museum and there's Corey LaJoy walking down the street, stopped. Hey, took a picture, big fan of your dad's, whatever, you know, and, and more. You just can't stop and meet Aaron Rodgers. Like it's right. not, you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't go watch a, a Jets game this year and, and go meet Aaron Rodgers. But you go to a NASCAR race, and there's a damn good chance you're going to walk across and see somebody every time. You know, every, every time. So you've got this access to people that you don't normally have in other other forms of sports. Last year, when um, they were doing the, um, it's not the Brickyard, but the um, road course at the Verizon 200 at yeah, the Brickyard. It, it kills me to say that now, but um, I was walking down um, Mass Ave, and there was Tyler Reddick down there with his family. Was he looking for cheddars? Uh, he was. He was hiding. <laughs> He's not very tall, but 
I spotted them out, and I honestly could say I was probably the only one that did, but it was pretty cool. The, I would say that the race, like the fan experience that you get when you buy that package to go to the racetrack, um, you know, if, if, if you haven't been to a NASCAR race before and, you know, this is something that you want to do, uh, Indi- the Indianapolis uh, Verizon 200 or whatever the heck it is now uh, is in August. I think it's the 13th. And um, definitely buy the fan experience pass because to your point, Jeremiah, you can go down in the garage area and yeah, I mean, it's fenced off. You're not going to be able to go touch the car, but um, you, you'll be down there when the guys are walking out of the driver's meeting. I mean, it's literally you're, you're within what feels like an arm's reach away. And that's what kind of makes that personal connection with that driver so much greater is when you get to be that close to it. It's like so much, so close. You can almost, you know, touch and feel it. It's, it's, it's something that no other sport I feel like, gives that type of vibe too. Yeah. The access, have you entered an IndyCar race yet? I, so I did my first Indy 500 last year. But did you go race day or did you go earlier in the month? I just went race day. Oh, go early in the month. I, I Yeah. So trust me, I've, I've been following <laughs> you guys a little bit over the last couple of weeks and uh, the stories the, I'm hearing. Are, the amount of access is yeah. unbelievable. Race, race morning, I'm, we, we had passes so we could be in the garage area. But I said, hey, to Dennis Reinbold, who owns Graham Ray Hall's car and Ryan Ray's car. R.C. Enerson was with, you know, right there with me, just standing there chatting. Jacob Abel was. Um, race morning. Like, the year before, we saw Marcus Erickson in the garage area the week before. Uh, or, the, you know, at two hours before he got in the car. Um, you're, t- you're talking about all these people that buy shirts and hats and were driver rep. Zach, I saw actual Marcus Erickson fans this year. <sighs> Good for them. <laughs> Husky probably full man. <laughs> they on a Cessna. This is the other yeah. side of racing that's fun. Uh, it's it's as much fun to not like people as well, it is the, to like people. Is yeah. is the division right? So Jeff They're Gordon and fans. Dale Earnhardt, th- those fans, you know, they they despise the other guy. They sold Zach's, they sold the other guy's merch. Like they were actively. Uh, There's, I bet how much Dale Junior or Dale Earnhardt Senior stuff or how much Jeff Gordon stuff was sold because he was the guy who was going up against the other guy. Like that was their they're picking sides. So Zach takes delight. Every year he's got somebody he hates now. Uh, and it's when new. I was growing up everybody hated Tony Stewart. Oh, not in this state. He's he's beloved. Rocket. I'll tell you what got him Columbus Comet. He became a lot more popular the older he got because the older he got, the less he cared. If you want to have the greatest time of your life, look up Tony Stewart interviews on YouTube. (laughs) And he... We should have run him backwards and wrecked the rest of the car, too. Yeah, yeah, like especially like at Talladega restrictor plate races. Oh, and he was in Indiana. He was at, was he at Winchester over the weekend? He and... He and Ryan Newman. He and Newman and somebody else were at Winchester over the weekend. Um... Yeah, Tony Stewart, fantastic. And then you go over to Eldora. Eldora is amazing because of, in part, because of Tony Stewart. He owns the track now, and what he's done to it's pretty cool. But he, he's actually, we have a bit from one of those clips that is part of our intro oh, to yeah. our podcast. It's like the Jim Mora playoffs thing. Yep. Like, but yeah. Tony Stewart's got like a half a dozen of those. It's like a five minute reel on YouTube of those. Yeah. My favorite NASCAR quote of all time is Sterling Marlin calling Greg Biffle a bug-eyed dummy. <laughs> that is, there's nothing better. Every time I see Greg, uh, hear a Greg Biffle story, I just think bug-eyed dummy. It's I mean, all. That's all I need. NASCAR does have a better because they have a bunch of good old boys, and you don't know what's going to come out of their mouth and what like because <laughs> what like dialect euphemisms are going to drop because like I mean the the Burton brothers, two totally different ways of speaking, and they're brothers, 
And you, had, like, you had to run it back for Ward to understand what he was saying. Yeah. And so yeah, you never know what you're going to get out yeah, of like some guy who grew up and like, today. <laughs> yeah, just don't move your mouth. We'll, we'll tight, but we, we, we went good at walking him. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Some of the NASCAR guys, you get them going and yeah, they'll use t- turns of phrase you never even heard in your life. And it's because they're from some little town in Georgia. And <laughs> that's where they, that's, they picked it up off their aunt or something. You can't get that with Augustine Canapino. No, he's only known English since February. He's not, he he. It's just not going to happen. All right. So, how do people follow the podcast? You guys, you're just getting. You, you, I assume you started at the beginning of this racing season. Essentially, is when y'all came on the air. Yep. About uh, so I think it was like right after the Daytona 500 was our first episode. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, February. But anyways, we got a Facebook page. So two tires and fuel only podcast. Um, and. We're on Spotify right now, so we're not on any other platforms, but um, we got an Instagram page, Two Tires and Fuel Only, and then uh, you can find us on Twitter. I won't give the Twitter handle because it's just going to jumble up everything backwards pretty much, but uh, uh, yeah, so those are our, our main platforms that we're on. So we post you know, racing news and stuff on there, um, and really what the purpose of the podcast is, is, is here to do is to not only talk NASCAR but uh, to give some of our drivers at the roots level a platform to share their story. Um, and kind of the idea that I had going into this is I'm sure you've listened to the Dale Jr. Download um, plenty of times, which is a great podcast uh, for, for those NASCAR fans out there. But they and he brings in a lot of different guests, you know, just like you guys do. And, um, you know, I just I thought to myself, if I'm going to have this this podcast, like I, I want to bring people on and interview them. And I want to, you know, get involved with some of our local racers. Um, and so we've done that. Uh, our first two guests, Josh Hudson pillar, um, who I mentioned earlier, uh, races modifieds, uh, on dirt. He's, he was, I was just at Kokomo speedway with him, uh, this weekend. Uh, great time by the way. And then Tommy Corcoran races for the, uh, yard cart national series, uh, that Matt Monday owns. And, you know, I can dive into those a little bit later if you guys want me to. And, and yeah, I mean, having those two guys on and just hearing their, their story and, and them being able to share where they're at in their career, um, is, is something, you know, that I look forward to, uh, what do you hear from guys like that as to what their goals are? Are they, is it a hobby still, or is it, Hey, this is a stepping stone where I want to get into NASCAR. I want to move, I want to get into IndyCar or, or some sort of formula series. What, what do you, what, what are the motivations you're hearing from guys? So I think it's from, from Josh, like specifically, you know, his dad raced, um, on dirt. He's, he's trying to get better in his modified right now. Like that's his goal, um, his short-term goal. Uh, and I'm sure if you asked him if he wanted to get to the cup level, like there's no doubt in my mind, he would say yes. Um, but most of these guys are, are, are running on, you know, a very tight financial budget where, you know, they're raising their family and they're making just enough money to pay bills and get to the racetrack each, each weekend. So they're, I think their long-term goals are, are just like anybody would be that wants to get behind the wheel. Um, but developing their, their craft and their skill at the level that they're at is, is a huge priority for them. I know Tommy right now, um, you know, he's racing go-karts on dirt and, uh, he grew up, he, I mean, his family is, is very well known, uh, for you know sprint cars and, and midgets and uh like that's his next step is to get into a sprint car so like long-term goals i think you know they want to be like 
either dad or, or, or grandpa or whoever was setting records back in the day racing these you know, same types of cars. Very are, generational, are, yeah, right? It is. It's a lot, family, of, a lot of family stuff. So. Because you don't, nobody's going to give you a race car to drive, right? You've got to find a way to get into one. Uh, and the barrier to entry is insane. You want to go buy a modified and put an engine, a race engine, and it's a twenty five, thirty thousand dollar motor, right? And with and, no knowledge as to how the hell to even set the thing up or know what you're doing. Yeah. And Josh says his, his motor was only five hundred dollars. So I don't know what scrap you already got it from. But <laughs> with with that being said, you know, you can imagine the 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 maintenance and, and the work that's gotta go into that to to even compete or keep up with, you know, the folks that have those twenty thousand dollar motors in them. So it sounds like he knows someone with a machine shop. Yeah. He's so- he does. So you guys remember when we had Brayton Laster on before he went to Daytona, uh, the pizza man uh, so from uh, south of Indianapolis, uh, and Gavin Newton was with us. And I saw Gavin at the Speedway qualifying weekend. Might have been Fast Friday. Sitting with him. And, and that week, Brayton was, you know, they have a scrapyard, essentially. And he was taking an old Chevy 5.3 liter engine block and trying to get it ready so that he could go to... Uh, the Circle City Raceway and go below the engine after lap five, but he was going to make the race, right? Same thing. They're, I mean, they these guys grind. It's it's unbelievable. You have a real job, you have a real life, but then you do whatever you can to answer the bell to be able to to be able to show up and, and turn some laps on Friday night or Saturday night. Yeah, and you have to be smart at just about everything that comes with the car to be able to to do all the things to make it go the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And so that's there's a lot of just raw knowledge and skill that has either been handed down or, you know, learned from hands-on training trial and error uh, while working on the race car. So That's why I'm excited. Josh Berry is coming into the cup series probably next year to replace Kevin Harvick, but because yeah. um, he's a, he's a car chief crew chief guy first, right? He's been running a, a pavement, whatever the late model division mm-hmm. for, for Dale Jr.'s team. And he's been the, he's been the guy putting the whole thing together and has figured out how to get there himself. He's not, you know, the, the 22 year old who's never gotten grease on his hands. He's, he's been in the business for a little bit and he proved it this year that he, that he could do it when he got the opportunity to race for racing the nine car. And then when Alex Bowman got hurt, took over that. And I think he really stamped it for Tony really put an impression on Tony Stewart this year with whenever he got in the Bowman car for a few races shows that he belongs. And from the sound of it, it sounds like he's going to get the opportunity. If Tony can pay him now, <laughs> can win the bidding war. <laughs> Have you guys seen the, uh, the new episodes that flow racing just put out on YouTube? It's called dirt. No, it's incredible. Uh, they have, I- I'm sure there's some Kyle, Kyle Larson fans out there, which, by the way, he's running the Indy 500 next year, which yeah, he's going to be one of the nine McLarens uh, on track next yeah. year. All right, well, <laughs> as long as Ross Chastain's out there, I got confidence that he'll at least make the show. Uh, but no, he so it, it features uh, Kyle and his dirt, you know, sprint car career, and, and just covers a lot of the, I guess, world of outlaws guys that are really tearing it up, tearing up the scene at the roots level, and so. You know, just watching that and and then bouncing the idea uh, ideas that I have, you know, for the podcast. It's just it's it's they correlate, and and I'm just trying to grow the sport at the roots level. And and 
a lot of a lot of our listeners right now are just folks from back home, right? That's how everything starts off. Everything's small. We're small, just like these these guys going to the dirt track. And uh, I want fans to get out there and watch these guys because they have just as much grit and and you know maybe not the raw talent that that some of the NASCAR drivers, but really just they don't have the opportunities um, that some of those guys get. I know I was listening to your episode with uh, is it uh, Mike Adams. Is that, mm-hmm. Yep. So they were, and they talked about the road to Indy and, um, you know, back to your question about these guys and what their long-term goals are. There's not really around here. There's not much of a road to anywhere unless, you know, the opportunity presents itself or, you know, somebody that knows somebody, um, most of that stuff happens out in North Carolina, but anyways, yeah, like we, we just, we honestly want to get more fans involved and go into our local racetracks. Um, I, I can tell you right now, my fir- the first time that I was at Kokomo Speedway and watched a race in the 29 years I've been on this earth and lived near there uh, was this weekend. And I had the time of my life. And I stood right up there on the wall in turn two. And you talk about, you ever go watch a 3D movie or whatever where the chair moves and you know, you're know you kind of involved or 4D or whatever it's called now? Well, imagine being at the racetrack and feeling the motor like that's, I mean, you're that close. I was getting showered with dirt. And I mean, I was, I think it was like yesterday where I finally got the rest of the dirt out of my ear, uh, which is disgusting, but it was, it was so fun. Cause you're right there on top of it. I mean, and it just goes back to the access point you're talking about earlier. But like I said, a lot of these guys, they, they get after it. And, and Kyle Larson said in that dirt episode that sprint cars are the most fun car he's ever been in. And they're also the fastest thing. And, and the reaction time is you gotta be, super quick i mean or it could be you know catastrophic so the the amount of horsepower available in a sprint car or a silver crown car versus the weight of the vehicle and the downforce available is broken right it's it's all about throttle control and be able to be able to do it kyle uh kyle larson (laughs) kyle robbins has been on the show a half dozen times over the last few years he runs a silver crown car out of newcastle and we'd go to eldora to watch him and you know where the cars are after lap one and then they all just start. It's a cloud of dust. The entire place disappears. You can't follow a car. You can't follow. It's just. Really? It's just insanity in the dark. It's just. It's nuts. Um, and it happens all you know across across the Midwest almost every weekend at Lawrenceburg, at Terre Haute, at at, at Eldora. Uh, you know, you you pick your small town. There's a Brownstown. There's a there's a dirt track. Yeah, there's there's quite a few. I actually have a list. And once we get our our website built, I'm gonna have a uh, basically links to all of those, you know, tracks that you can just go through and find a free weekend. And, you know, it's only like most places are like 10 to 30 bucks, like tops, like a pit pass at Kokomo Speedway, probably 30 bucks, 30 bucks. Yep. Anybody can buy a pit pass and you're, I mean, you're not in the infield like most pits are at racetracks, but you're walking around all the drivers, all of their cars. And most of those guys have you know, if you have kids, you can bring them out there and those guys have like hero cards and stuff and they'll sign them for your kids. I mean, it's, uh, I, I would absolutely love it. I know my nephew, my brother takes his, uh, his three-year-old, uh, to the racetrack all the time. And it's like his favorite thing to do. And, uh, but yeah, anyways. So this is, this is what's uh, the dirt track is half of the premise of cars three, right? Zach. It is. 
Yeah, uh, Jeremiah really is missing out by not having watched Cars Three. It's it's like a it goes it goes back to the origins of NASCAR. I mean, I'm 39 years old and I don't have any kids of my own. So when I you know when they have a preview and I'm sitting front row and center at Cars Three in the movie theater, <laughs> yeah, I I just got a new nephew last Doesn't week. Give me a right. minute and I, I'll bring. I'll, I I'll, haven't I'll, seen I'll, it either. So yeah. if you want me oh. to go with you, make it just a little <laughs> bit more weird. We can go. We're gonna wear our Jeff Gordon shirts. Heck yeah! You can skip number two. <laughs> two two is like Mario two, just not good. Like Super Mario Brothers two, just not good. I yeah, Cars three is spectacular. It's really a shame. Understood. We're gonna have to just we'll have a screening at Mid Ohio. It's just the way it'll work. We'll do a Cars three screening at Mid Ohio, and Dakota can come. Um. All right. So all of these, he's shaking his head. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna go to Mid Ohio. I have no interest. You don't even know what you're missing. Dude, that racetrack is so fun to go to. You can pick any spot on the track you want to go to and I'll watch the camper. Race. You don't need a camper. You got a sleeping bag? I'm not going to sleep in a tent oh. at a racetrack. Sleep that under the stars. Insane. Sounds like something a crazy person would do. You got a, you got an air mattress? You sleep on the roof. Is that I got an air mattress in my truck. I will loan it to you. And with the plug-in. So just find a freaking outlet somewhere. Somebody's got a generator out there with all those campers. Yeah, Jeremiah does. Yeah. Hell, my truck, my truck, you just turn it on and it's got an outlet on it. When I when I went to Mid-Ohio for that Xfinity Series race, Matt Collig, uh, the owner of, of Collig Racing, uh, was just up and down the uh, whatever roads they have there in a go-kart just pounding white claws it was hilarious <laughs> just driving right by us you know having a good time waving so it was, it was cool we we've been to mid ohio and the area we camped in had james hinchcliffe came out there on a pit bike and hung out with us That's mr awesome. mr nbc color guy and he's like you realize you have more security to get to you than you do to get to where i sit right we had <laughs> one security guard that protected us and there was nobody that kept us from going to his part of the world <laughs> She's wow. nice too. I like our security. Lady. I know I can, tell you, I can describe our security lady to you. I get on her good side real early in the weekend. Oh, she looks like she smokes two packs of Marlboros a day too. All right, so all of this fantastic racing happens. You go to Kokomo, you go to Anderson Speedway, but you have the Indy 500 as well. My quarrel is is that all these great things happen the same damn weekend. Yeah. There's I I've finally this year, Zach. I I realized I wasn't going to burn the can. I was already exhausted. But I wasn't going to burn the candle at all the ends and try to go back out to IRP on on carb night. You're just you're exhausted and tired. I didn't go see the Silver Crowns cars run. I didn't watch the USF 2000 cars run. Same problem. I didn't go back up to Anderson. When you live in Newcastle, you camp at Speedway and you're like, hey, there's a great race in Anderson. You're like, there's no freaking way I'm leaving the Speedway to go all the way back home to Anderson. This is That's why I never go to the Little Five. Yeah. It looks like a fantastic. I mean, thirty-three cars running five hundred laps around a, a, a third mile oval with yeah, pit stops. They, they, uh, yeah, the pit stops. I mean, it is. It's just something that you have to go experience. I, I was sitting on the back stretch, and you know, they start the race three wide and however many rows deep, like ten rows deep or twelve or whatever. And you just, I mean, there was a caution on the first lap, which could be expected with that type of start, but. Um, how did Kenny Schrader do? Was he even racing? Supposed to, yeah, he was in a race. Was he really? Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't have a, I didn't have a show sheet or nothing. <laughs> I just Schrader, showed up. Kenny Schrader was in the race. Oh man, that hurts. <laughs> now I got to go back. Zach's going to check time. the results for us real quick. Obviously, he didn't win. If you didn't, uh, no, he didn't. It was a 18 year old last name trainer. Um, 
it was his first race. And, uh, I, I, the only driver I knew in the, in the field was CJ Leary because he's out of Greenfield and I've, I've seen his race shot, but, but anyways, I'll sit on the, the gray brothers car. Uh, it was a big orange car. I don't, I don't know which one he was in this year. He usually I'm does. still learning. He runs for the gray brothers quite a bit. Yeah. But anyways, when there's not rubber laid down on the first, like, I don't know, maybe a hundred laps or so. And I was like maybe four or five rows up on the back stretch. And right as they come off of, of turns one and two and my buddy, I was like, Hey man, do you think I need a like ear protection for this? He's like, nah, you're good. And I'm like, you know, I, I've been to these types of races. I'm like kind of questioning it. That was the worst 500 laps of, of you need to bring ear, hear, uh, hearing protection, eye protection, because the rubber, when it's not laid down, actually flies up into the grandstands. Yeah. And so I was getting pelted. Oh, I went to a Brickyard 400 when that happened. Yeah, I, I show up at every one of these races wearing my, my over-the-ear muffs. Like, yeah. I'd, I'll throw a set of earbuds in if I want to listen to a scanner or whatever's going on. But mm-hmm. I... Hundred percent. I'm. I might be the only person that stands doing it. They look like me, like I'm insane. But I absolutely wear those. I, I don't need them for an Indy car race, but for a for a Silver Crown car, for a Sprint car. Oh yeah. I yeah. went to Eldora once, and the rock took out the press box glass <laughs> on the front straightaway. Holy crap! Somebody had some bad karma coming towards them in that press box. Yeah. <laughs> you find our results, Zach. Yeah, I'm looking at the results. There's we got three Newcastle people in there. You had probably the Armstrong brothers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Armstrongs, and then there was. Um, yeah, Caleb Armstrong, and then Dalton Armstrong, which apparently might not be related though, because it's a different team owner. No, I think he is. And Dakota. What's the kid with the last name of Bacon? Brady. Brady. Brady Bacon. Brady. I mean, number sixty nine. Yeah, broken, reminds me of Billy Bob. Broken, broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I've never seen him, but that that car used to be driven by Tracy Hines from Newcastle. Seen a lot of Brady Bacon races over the years. I mean, you can't help but be a fan of anybody whose last name's Bacon. Yeah. And they're number sixty nine. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, there's a lot going it's on. People there. going. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of. Was he the NOS car? It was similar colors to the NOS schemes, but I don't think it. I was a different. Sponsor. He might not have NOS on it anymore. I don't see. Uh, Maybe he didn't make the feature. Uh, yeah, I don't see him in the feature. But there's a thirty three. That's a lot. That's just like scrolling through. How many Tossins were there? there? Had to be a lot. Uh, there was at least ten. I mean. <laughs> But, you know, luckily there wasn't anything too bad. Uh, there may have been, I, I don't even think I saw a rollover. Actually, the rollover was at Kokomo Speedway. But um, back to the pit stops, though, you got to have a push truck to get these things going, uh, to get them fired up. So you're relying on somebody in a somebody in a quad. Yeah, on a quad or a. Old pickup truck, square body with a, yep, with a square body <laughs> with a six by four front bumper, plank, or something. just yeah. a plank of wood on the front, and you know they got a headset on, and you're you're literally just waiting on them at your pit stop, and the whole crew's just like, come on, you know, just waving everybody, and imagine maybe not all thirty three coming in at uh, for pit stops at one time, but you know anywhere from like fifteen to twenty cars on pit road, and they're being you know, 15 push trucks and they're all trying to coordinate that, not run over each other. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. I don't want to go all Kurt Cavan and be typing over here, but, uh, it's my tracks. I dig for Zach. Uh, it looks like Ken Schrader was an owner this year, but he didn't actually race it. Okay. That makes uh, me feel Jake, better. Jake trainer was, uh, oh, that's w- who was, was driving. He was driving Kenny's car. 
So Kenny won. Kind of explains a little bit. There Kenny's, you go. Kenny's still a winner. Yep. There you go. Jake Trainer was uh, was driving the Kenny Trainer. He, he was car. eighteen. Yeah, eighteen years old. Wow. Where's he from? Um, I think Massachusetts is what I heard. Man, we gotta have Jake Trainer on now. It says Medway, Massachusetts. Although it says Matt Seymour Racing is the owner. On the official website. I don't know. This is the offflowracing.com article talking about it. I would have to... Uh, yeah. Who who actually owns a race car anymore? Does 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 Dry and Reinbold own a car? Does does Cusick Racing own a car? It's a, it's all partnerships. Uh, Ron Milford says Kenny Schrader has to be in his 60s. Uh, do we have an age check on Kenny Schrader before we move on? <laughs> Kenny Schrader. Uh, 36. M&M's. That's all I know. <laughs> 25 Kodiak. He's a, yeah. He's, yeah. yeah uh, there you go. I'm much older. Uh, uh, I do recommend see. the uh, one of the greatest Dinner with Racers episodes ever. 68. Born in 19, yeah, born 1955. 68 years old from Fenton, Missouri. Oh, it's young. Yeah. yeah. A great, great follow. If you Dakota, if you want an introduction to a racing hero, go go listen to the Kenny Schrader, either the Dale Jr. download with him. Or the Both. dinner with racers. Both. You'll get some of you'll get the good stories twice because they're worth telling twice. He's 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 continuing to live a life and he's lived a life. He's sixty eight years old and he says, Yeah, I would you know, we, we I raced the cup series and they only raced twenty eight times a year, so I had, you know, two hundred and twenty more dates to fill on the calendar. So I raced dirt cars during a week too. Oh he would he would race six days a week. Crazy. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Guy stayed fresh. He loved it. Won four cup races. Um, all right, so Indy 500 recap, Dakota. What are your impressions of the world's greatest spectacle in motorsports? What? What? Yeah. Did, tell me. Tell me about your race day experience from the lake. You know, what'd you I, learn? I'll typically watch it, but uh, this year we watched actually the majority of it. Usually, I'll catch. I'll just catch the end, but I watched most of. Were it you outside. Were you offended by a foreigner doing the broadcast? No, we didn't have the volume up. <laughs> We were outside. We were outside watching it on a TV with some friends. Uh, they have a TV outside under like a patio thing. But I mean, we were just talking and drinking beer and watching it. You know, not really. It's the holidays. What you're supposed to do? You so, had it on. You you just helped the rating. That's all we needed. I did see my girl, uh, Miss Leg, Catherine Leg. She went down. So I I I, I you you had said Pretty you wanted to early. talk. You wanted to talk. We made last week. We picked our favorites and our dark horses. Yep. You picked your dark horse to win the race as Catherine Leg, uh, and she finished thirty third. Yep. Burst out. Pretty early on in the race, she wrecked in the pit stop. So she she did what they would call in the business the uh, the tiny penis renus, uh, <laughs> where. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> <laughs> where where you absolutely lose control and you drive straight into the wall, yeah. uh, potentially taking out the guy I picked, Alex Polo. Uh, so yeah, you had your dark horse uh, was first out. The uh, nobody had their favorite win the race, but uh, Forrest Plank last week did pick Joseph Newgarden as his dark horse, and Joseph won the race. My dad's first pick was Joseph Newgarden, yeah. so he was freaking out like the last five laps. You know, because uh, New Garden kind of started creeping up yeah. there at, after every caution, or and or whatever, he'd creep up a step. My dad's New Garden <gasps> started seventeenth. He started way back in the field. Yep. So, Caleb, you went to the race. I did. Where'd you sit? Um, Tower Terrace is actually what is it? Section seventy. It was seventy nine. It was right at the entrance of Pit Road. Okay, so you were on the far north end. It was. 
it's the first time I've actually sat and watched a full race. I've always kind of just split it. I've always gone up, come down, gone up, come down. And it was a good spot. I know my best experience I had was on like turn four, but it was a good, it was a good experience. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people like to get on the outside. You, you were in a, one of the tougher spots to sell, like in a less attended year, there were, this was the most attended other than the hundredth in the last 25 years. I'm almost years. positive. I got one of the last ones. I'm sure you probably did. Yeah. Th- those I are late. Those are usually like the, the last seats to get sold. Um, so previously attended years, if you looked at helicopter shot, there's a lot of bare aluminum this year. There was no bare aluminum anywhere. Pretty much every grandstand seat was sold. Um, and that was my big takeaway from the race is that, a lot of years, yeah, there's a ton of people there. Okay, people will go, they'll watch the start, and then they disappear. They go off and they wander the plaza. They're out drinking. They're partying. They're doing whatever. I sat in turn three. Nobody left. Like, they might go They might go to the bathroom, but they were back in 10 laps. The crowd was there the entire time. Like, it was an engaged audience. Not many people left from our section either. Yeah. It was... It had everybody hooked. Well, there was a lot like of action during match. the race. Um, for me, as a, someone who's just watching it between stories, it was like every time you look at the TV, something was happening. There's a pass for the lead. Right. There's there's cars coming on and off pit road. Yeah. Um. So very end of the race. Uh. Well, it, I guess we get past halfway. We had our first yellow of the day. Uh, Stingray Rob put it in the wall. Right. Uh, which is a spectacular name. I figured Dakota would have picked Stingray Rob just for just for the Stingray Rob effect. Well, you know, I really actually thought because I remembered last year with uh, Dixon getting robbed, so I was like, I think he would come. I thought he would come back with a vengeance and uh, lead most of it and then win. And so that's what I thought. And then I was like, Catherine Lake, how just. Just thought it would be funny if she won because that would be that would have been hilarious. She had like plus forty two hundred odds. <laughs> so so you brought a piece of uh, go, go grab the go grab the sign you brought real quick. I'll tell you a story about it when you get when you get back over here. Uh, so Dakota picked Catherine Leg, who was the uh, the forty four Honda for uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, uh, and somehow Dakota has acquired this metal. A uh, piece of beer advertisement that's now up on camera screen. Uh, if you're if you're watching the podcast, it's it's live on the screen. At, at this point, you need to come back to the can- to the thing so you can talk to Cody. You're well, he's, just, he's, he's just, just playing the camera cameraman. The now. car will be out of shot. <laughs> so uh, he's efforting, efforting, efforting. So yeah, d- this somehow it's this big Miller racing. I, I looked at it and said, man, that's like 95, 96. And we, we looked it up. That's it's Bobby Ray hall from 1996 is what the, uh, what the actual camera shot is. Uh, your girl, Catherine leg drove for that race team. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Oh, really? It is literally the, still the same race team going now as it was 30 years ago. Hmm. Uh, the Ray hall Letterman Lanigan race team. Not doing too hot. That is uh, well. They they won the five hundred in twenty twenty <laughs> with Kumasato, and now it's they've gone they've gone oh, backwards. They have like what they say. The article said that Bobby was triggering the Indy five hundred recovery, like something rather like yeah, game plan. Like they're it was so bad that they're like they're already starting to work on next year and figure out what they did wrong this year. I guess it's, which is to me it just felt like we're saying yeah we're going to figure it out, but there's no actions yet. Like they should have figured it out. You put everybody on notice. Like, maybe like a week or two ago. 
All right, I wanted to get a story from Zach real quick. I rushed into race day too quickly, but on Saturday, Zach, you got to do two things. You did the parade. Yeah, I, did, I had the busiest Saturday before the race of my entire life. It's It was a rat race. You, you did the parade. You got to see a bunch of drivers. Uh, I don't know if you actually interacted with any there, but you, you did get tons of pictures and lots no, of, I, saw yeah, lots of I drivers. Stayed up, I stayed up on the hill by the, the War Memorial, so I had a good perspective. That was the smoothest parade I've had in a while, getting two parked from because they changed the course last year. We didn't know it, so we parked our normal spot and found out we were like a half a mile to three-quarters of a mile farther away. Um, but yeah, we got a spot up on a hill at the War Memorial where we could see down on the drivers. And as Jeremiah has pointed out in some circles, my phone has a wicked zoom lens on it. Like I could, t- I could take a picture. I was sitting on pit lane qualifications weekend, and I got a picture that Jeremiah is the only thing in the <laughs> shot looking angry, and he's up in the upper deck on the outside of the front stretch. Like he was probably like 150 yards away, like linear feet. Like he was three stories above my head and all the way across the track. I have no expectation of privacy when Zach's around. No, it was an impressive picture. Um, But yeah, so uh, we also, I'd never seen him do this. I guess I've not been a member of the IndyCar Nation thing in a while uh, for this long. But they had a thing like they said, hey, if you want to participate in the pre-race introduction rehearsals, enter in this. I was like, well, that sounds fun. I didn't quite know what the time frames it was going to entail when we <laughs> signed up. And so the three of us got chosen to that. So we got to participate as like they said, they give you a card. I could have brought my card cause I kept my second one. I did not keep the first one. Um, this is who the driver you are. And if you watch the pre-race and you watched them get their names called and walk out on the stage and be introduced and shake, we got to do all of that in the morning. We did it six times oh, yeah. starting at 7 a.m. On and, Saturday morning. Yeah, and then they... We were five feet from Dale Earnhardt Jr., by the way. And, we were yeah, there. And Steve Letard and Dale Jr., was, right with us. Uh, we'll get back. There's a funny moment there. And so we did that a couple times. And then they said, hey, if you want to come back at 2.30, you can you can participate in the actual run-through. Because at no point are the drivers actually expected to do any of this. And But it'll be the actual run-through with everybody there. And I'm like, well, that sounds cool. So we go, we had to be at this rehearsal at 7 a.m. And we had our our my only negative interaction with the yellow shirt the entire month trying to get in. Did not want Jeremiah drove us in. We've got parking pass and everything. He said, You're not allowed in there. You have to wait fifteen minutes. And it is six fifty in the morning. I'm grumpy. Yeah. I have not had my full cup of coffee. I drove I drove yeah. all the way around the racetrack to get to from our northwest side outside turn four, around through Speedway, back to sixteenth street, turned around at the golf course, get to the gate five minutes before I need to be somewhere at seven AM. Yellow shirt says you can't be in here this early. And he says, you have to turn around. Jeremy was like, well, that's fine. I'm not turning around, though. And the guy finally just said, what time is it? It's, oh, it's, we're early. So it's we're, we're, <laughs> we're before 8 o'clock. Normally, we can swear after 8 o'clock. Um, but as we drove away, the, kids. as we drove away, the, the, you hear the guy says, this is bullshit. And after he told <laughs> us to go, I've never been sworn at by a yellow shirt before. I matched his energy, Zach. That's yeah. all I can oh, say. Yeah. Is he, was, he got shitty with me, and I got shitty back. And but we got in there, and then we waited for what twenty minutes for them to actually come get us for this rehearsal. So we could have waited till seven a.m. They're like, "Be there at seven and we just stood around, and we're just nerds, like a bunch of racing nerds, staying around. Um, we got so, which driver were you to start for the morning? Uh, I was Devlin and Francesco, which I can't, it's one of those guys that not Dev. I was I got to be the last person to represent Devlin and Francesco because he won't be back next year because his 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 dad is going to stop writing checks and Andretti's going to stop accepting them. Um. So I was him for the morning. I was Jack Harvey for the afternoon session. 
Um, but it was cool. Like it was actually, I've, I found it really fascinating to see the mechanics of this. Like that you got, like I told my wife, I spoiled it for desperately during the road driver intros. I said, okay. I was like, they're going to get done with the last guy. The camera's going to pan up from the yard of bricks. It's going to go up and he's going to walk to the right, but pan to the left and then pan to the right. I knew exactly because <laughs> we saw it seven times and this guy, had this crazy camera rig on, um, but it's cool to be on the front straightaway at 7 a.m. or 7.30 by the time we got out there. They paid us in uh, in Brickyard Bucks, which I didn't spend yet. So I still have my Brickyard Bucks. I have to go back this year. Um, but then I we literally, it took two and a half hours to do that audition or that rehearsal thing. And I'm like, I'm going to get back just in time to leave for the parade. And literally ran back, told my wife we're leaving for the parade, and then left for the parade. And then my wife had to drop me off at the gate to go into the track for the second rehearsal because the parade took the entire gap. So at this point it's two 30. I haven't really stopped doing anything yet. And I've been going since like, uh, I think I got up at five forty-five because I ran in the morning because I've been running every day. Um, but the afternoon rehearsal is cool. I didn't hang around. I think you guys hung out a little bit. I, I bugged out. We did. We stayed for the flyovers and everything. And so I was back at the camper when the flyovers came over and I, cause I wanted to see, the one of the advantages of camping is you get to see what you get to hear the audition rehearsal stuff and you get to, you get to know exactly what the flyovers are, what their patterns are and when they're coming. Um, the first flyover, not that great. Second flyover was badass. They came in spread across the track at full afterburner, like lit up, seeing fire come out the engines. And when from my seat in turn three, looking straight out and watching that afterburner go right over yeah. our heads by 200 feet, yeah. Proud American. I couldn't even see the one, the closest <laughs> one I couldn't see. Cause I didn't really get to see. I joked when we sat down on Saturday, I said, I'm going to go here. I'm going to sit down. Cause we waited for like five minutes for the second flower. I'm like, well, I guess they're not coming back around. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to go sit down. And the minute I sit down, they're going to butt. And they did. They, <laughs> as soon as my butt hit the chair in my camper, they flew over. But I got just enough to see that they were full afterburner. They were F 16 Vipers. Um, so I didn't know where the, what the pattern was really because we're in trees. We have trees around our campsite. So, uh, but the, yeah, the one, the far right one came right over our heads. Like it was almost lost it in the flags that are directly behind me because we're in the top row. Um, so that was awesome. It was such a busy day. I think I finally got the chance to sit down at like three thirty or four o'clock after having been going. And from right then at that moment, it would have been, Hey, get in the truck. Let's go to Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not I, it, it's Saturday is usually like a really chill day for me because I try to. Like I literally did. I had a moment on carb day. I was running, just running around Speedway. And I gotten up early just because I had stuff to do. I got up well, Friday. I drove home and got my family because I figured I could get them a little early. Um, and I was like, I had like a moment of like, dang, it's almost over. Like the month is almost over. Carb day sucks as a fan who's been there all month because there's a billion people there and they weren't there any of the other time. There's literally exponentially more people that show up for race weekend. So Saturday kind of chill and enjoy being in the campground and enjoying, um, the people like the, there's always this freak out moment when you roll into our campground of, Oh my gosh, there's so many people in front of you. And I was like, well, this, there's a guy in a scamp with an S 10. He always parks in the same spot. Two sites over from him is a three quarter ton suburban with an old airstream. And you see all these people every year. And I know all these people and I almost went up to the scamp people and said, I'm glad to see you guys every year you guys show up. And it makes me happy because it's 15 years of prayer. Like I've been, in this lot for 10 or 12 years, they're in the same spot every year. Um, so yeah, I just kind of enjoyed lot six and my time in there. So, so how many, uh, how many days in a row were you at now running? Yeah. 
five. I'm in the five teens, I think. Um, I thought you were more than that. I, I was at 500 like the beginning of May. Yeah. So, oh, I've already hit it today. Jared, here's what I'll tell you. If you're going to go to the track and you want to actually have like the good fan experience, go the first weekend. Go for the Grand Prix. Go for the Grand go, Prix or go, go for, go for qual qualifying. Yeah. By race weekend, I couldn't take a full stride. Yeah. There were people in my way. I couldn't I couldn't walk. Like it was it, it wasn't even that hot. It was just annoying. Yeah, and I feel like I had that kind of same experience when I went. It was like whether I was walking around on the infield or out to get concessions, like it just there was a swarm of people everywhere, like at any given moment. Yep. Uh, but I guess that's what makes it, you know. Yeah, that's why it's an incredible event, right? Yeah. And it needs the event counts on having those people, that many people. That's that's all a part of what the event is. But for the racing fan, the people that want to see, like to actually get in and get close and and you know get their personal Indy five hundred, go early in the month. Yeah, like early in the month, like if you go, if you're in the garages, we get garage passes, you go in the garages, like there's a path where they come through gasoline alley and they come back into the garages. There might be three or four people staying around there. Carb day, there's 500. You're literally in the second or third row of people waiting for somebody to walk by. And then I'll make fun of them a little bit. Half of them don't know who anybody are. Like they're not, they're, they're not fan fans or corporate fans. They bought, they bought a Bryant heating and air conditioning unit in the last whatever month. Or I bought a car at Dry Rambled and they got a pass for it. And like they're like, where's Kyle Bush's car? And like, oh, I don't need you guys here. <laughs> like the literally, I heard that. And earlier in the month, I heard somebody yell Elio Castroneves at Simon Pagano, who's his teammate, but is very French and not Brazilian. And Simon was just like, hey, Elio, and just drove off. But I think the lady thought that he was Elio. Simon had a new baby. Yeah, yeah, that so, was yeah. I think Joey inadvertently publicized. <laughs> I also got a vid car ride on Saturday too. That I crammed that in. I got riding around in the Camaro. I'm going to move us down the show notes here. Uh, the car that wouldn't start at the very beginning, Graham Rahal. How in the world? Whenever they said, it was, "Oh, he got a new battery and he's back out," it's like he literally just had a dead battery in his. So Indy 500. Here's race the thing, car. though: they don't start. They don't start with an onboard battery. They're externally started cars. So the starter is external, has its own battery. If you ever see it, it's a pretty impressive little setup. It's in a little cart that's about the size of a, a six-pack cooler on it with this huge, heavy cable that runs to the external starter, which is so juiced up that it's got a foot on it because if the guy tried to just hold it, it would snap his, his wrist. His face would be in the concrete. Yeah, so it's got like, it's got like a kickstand. And so that's what they would start it with. So this battery would, I'm assuming, just be like essentially voltage regulation like a normal battery would be for the rest of the car. But the car has been parked for 48 hours. Yeah, they haven't run since Friday. Yeah. They would have run it. So on race morning, they do have two like engine warm-ups where they, they fire it up yep. and they, they let it run and come up to temperature or whatever. And they do some diag on pit lane. But if it didn't, if something happened, who knows? The, the that particular car, Dakota, is the one that Steph Wilson. Remember the gnarly jerky car from last year? Yep. It was Steph. That was that was the team he was with, the Cusick Motorsports car. They tubbed it. They destroyed that car on Monday. And then Graham Ray Hall got one day of practice in the car. And it was a brand new car. So they took and rebuilt a car completely, got two hours of practice, and that was all that that car had. So 
it probably wasn't as sorted as everybody else. So if you were going to have a likelihood of one of them screwing up, it would have been Graham's car. Gotcha. Okay. I guess it makes more sense. It just seems like, like you said, with the the warmups on race day, how could they not catch a bad battery? Yeah, I think I think it car. was just a curse. It it on yeah, I mean yeah, with with Ray Hall's weekend the way it went, I think it's also I wouldn't say it's more common than not, but um, like even at the the dirt level, like Josh, when I went and watched him race this weekend, like he went out, car was fine for the heat race, and then his uh, B main event, and then like the next or not the B main for hot laps and then the heat race. And then he went to the B main event was starting outside front row and going into turn one engine failure. So I think there's like, there's probably some wiring issues too. I don't know what the case was with, I bet that car torn down, torn apart and put back together too between carb day and the race. They would have probably done checks and rechecked and, and something just doesn't, you ever watch those guys, they thrash on those cars and there's a million things that go wrong. So something, yeah, a wire got rubbed or something, and or yeah, who knows? It happened with uh, I think his name's Justin Grant, the World of Outlaws sprint car racer at the Chili Bowl. He was literally rolling out to his heat race, and his lights wouldn't come on, and so he was sitting in the cockpit with a Phillips screwdriver unscrewing things <laughs> as he's being pushed out to the track, and like literally got it fired up just in time. Yep, and so. Uh, yeah, I, I can imagine though, with it being a rebuilt car or whatnot, there was probably some issues. But it, it is at that level, you would expect for those types of things to be mitigated. And then, Jeremiah, speaking of mechanical issues, how, how many wrecks are there going to be in the pit area? I, it happens every time, like every almost every five hundred. I. Dario got spun on pit lane the year, one of the years. He Townsend Bell crashed on pit road. You always pit road at Indianapolis is you. You got concrete on both sides. You've got cars that are trying to spin spin up essentially, and you're you're almost out of control trying to leave pit road. And you have three lanes wide. That's all you have. Concrete on both sides. It's not like a stock car track or going to Texas where hey, if you need a little extra room, you can swing out to the right, you run in the grass. You've got concrete walls on both sides, so you've got nowhere to go. And drivers that do not want to give up a single position. And a lot of times what happens is that a car will be finished at their service and the car in front of them is pulling in. So you saw Roman Grosjean and Colton Hurd apart pitted next to each other. Colton's pulling out, Roman's coming in, and Colton drills him in the door, right? Is Screws them both up. Is there going to come a day when the idea of stopping or uh, fuel and tires and things like that becomes like a, a thought of ancient history. I don't think so. I think that's a part of the competition of, of this race uh, and, and what part of what makes it a team sport. Because like in the forties, you had cars that ran, there was a Cummins that ran the entire race and never made a pit stop. Right. There have been eras where they've done happened. that. Yeah. So yeah. That, that has happened in the past. But the rules of the day now, you're going to make it 30 laps, 30, 34 laps. I mean, like Formula One will get rid of fueling at times. They'll run a full thing of fuel because they'll have they'll have like one fire because somebody drives off with the fuel thing still attached. But I know Indy's a little different. They run a real tall first gear because I think they'll get like halfway through turn one before they shift out of first. 
And so they like are hammering it hard when they pull out. And so like, I think somebody said Rossi almost did the same thing. Um, because VK did it too. Captain Lake did it. VK did it. Somebody said Rossi almost did, but Rossi got out of it. So yeah, I think they're all pit stops are like the most dangerous part of anything. Like a couple of years ago, the issue was that they were, they were running these things that pulled their brake pads back in the rears. And so the, the driver had to remember to tap the brakes once to get the brakes in and then hit the brakes and they would forget and they would just hit them It'd go and, be over delay, and then they would just lock up the rears and they were spinning into pit lane at t- like sideways, like several of them. So, so, so the, I think the Colton heard an issue was, you know, as a driver, I can imagine as soon as you feel the, the jack drop or whatever, uh, that it's, it's time to go and you're trying to get out as fast as you can. But his, I think left front or right front tire change, his right front guy tells yeah, him when to go. Exactly. And he had his, his fist closed or whatever the yeah. signal was to keep him. He there. hadn't released him, but he went anyway. Right. And somebody might've been in his ear and said, go, go, go. Exactly. But the tire guy is the last guy to. In, in stock cars, when the, when the jack drops, the driver goes. That's that's your signal. So if you're if you're fueling a car and you're doing two tires, so two tires and fuel, right side still up, the driver's going to go when that jack drops. So the jack man gets the nod from the fueler, and they say, "Okay, go." That's that's their release. For an Indy car, it's an air jack. I think they've got they've already dropped the car because you don't want to drop it and release the car because it's still a, a big, the mechanics what they're doing. They have a tire changer on all four corners of the car. So that, that right front guy is essentially the one that determines who's going this weekend. It'll be really weird because you're going to have, depending upon which side of pit road you're on at Detroit, it'll be the left front guy or the right front guy. Yeah. Split pit road. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch that street racing. Problems. It's going to be insane because in any car, like some of them, you have. They don't say necessarily because uh, Justin Newgarden had the first female over the pit wall to win team a race. member to win a race, and she is, I believe, the inside front tire changer. So, depending on what she could be potentially doing, two different sides depending on because they'll be sometimes uh, pit roads on the left, pit, sometimes yeah, on the right, and, pit, right. and sometimes they'll start pit they'll start in the pits before they qualify in one spot and then they might move around through the weekend, depending on how qualifications or something like that. So she could have to work both sides of the car in a given weekend. To, if the car doesn't sit on the same side, I bet yeah. the teams are thrilled to, to, to know well, that they have to go in. And that's another element. The thing that they'll look for is, is if there's an advantage to one side or the other is they'll, they'll be screaming if they feel like the, the other side's got, if one side is concrete and one side is asphalt, Oh, or one side has a different delta, and it's like say it's five seconds faster to oh, go down one pit lane than the other. It's gonna be it's gonna be a show. So okay, here was the the other thing that was exciting. Like we said, um, Joseph Newgarden wins the race, but he had worked his way up, and it was like every time there was a caution, every time that there was a restart, uh, he he was inching his way forward. He was passing guys. Um, three red flags in the last ten laps. Very interesting. Yes. There were a lot of cautions, too. Yes. You posted on Facebook, you said, for the love of God, stop crashing. Yes. Yeah. I was I was pretty well over it. Uh, you know, like, crashing adds an element that's fun to racing, but also... This was a completely so clean many. month. There really weren't that many crashes in the race. Like, there were... There's they got to lot four bumps. crashes in they the race. They got to lap 95 without anything. Yeah, without any yellow at all. And then Felix Rosenquist hit the wall... Slid back across. Kyle Kirkwood hit him. 
that mm-hmm. severed the the, t- the wheel wheel tire and half shaft from his car. That's what flew out into the golf course, hit the Chevy Cruze, and scared the living shit out of everybody. Yeah, but, um, I mean, we were legit. I was in the stands. They were showing a replay, and I was like, that tire doesn't come back. I was yeah. I don't know where that tire went, but they showed an angle, and it goes off to the right, and you're waiting, I, I was just, you're waiting for the, the, I was hoping it like wasn't the a shutter stand. as it hits the fence and comes back. I'm like, that tire never came back. I'm like, that tire is, is somewhere. And like, you're, they got so We were lucky. right there with Joey on Friday. Saturday, Thursday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thursday. We were right where that tire landed. Yeah. That you picked a golf ball up from right there. Yeah. Our free new golf ball. They got so lucky. It could have been really, really bad. Especially if, like, even if the tire wasn't the first thing, it had a, it had a half shaft sticking out of it that was like this long. There's a great shot of it from, from the short shoot with the sweets in the background. It's in focus and everything. It's not blurry at all. And it's got a big chunk of, it's either, you couldn't tell if it was that at first or maybe it was a, an upright, an upright, which, which is, Oh, what do you want to get stung with? Hardened steel or carbon fiber? They both hurt. But, and, the, and then the tire is going to clear you off too. I mean, it did some damage to this woman's car, like crushed the headlight, crushed the hood part and of the And that fender. was after it hit the ground. I think it, it hit, hit the car and then it went some, I don't even know. There, it, it impacted a light pole and a car. I don't know which order they hit each other in, yeah. but it, it caught oh, both. Scary. Um, oh, Penske's going to buy yeah, that she's, woman a car. She's getting it. She owns a, he owns a number of Chevrolet dealerships and thinks she's going to be hooked up. So that, that caused a red flag. Kirkwood wound up on his, on his helmet, essentially on his roof. No roof in, in IndyCar, but he was, he was inverted. So that was an obvious red flag. It was a mess. Do you see the video? He's like, he opens his shield as he's sliding. He didn't yeah. know where he was. He was trying to figure out what the hell was going on, and he popped it up. Isn't that wild? His what owner had to tell him not to unbuckle, because he's like, if you <laughs> unbuckle right now, you'll fall out of the car. Yeah. He's cool. I got pictures of them. I've, the last two years, Kirkwood has been an incredible person. Super approachable. Really great guy. Uh, big, big fan of uh, old Kirk Kirkwood. But, but So that, that caused a red flag. Massive cleanup effort. And then everybody gets antsy because there's like eight laps to go. When the re- when the green flag comes back out, it's the restart. And this is this is the thing is we didn't run that many after that accident with Rosenquist and Kirkwood, we didn't have much more green flag laps. They take green. I think it's the first lap back. Uh, Pato Award in the black Arrow McLaren car right in front of me. This is in front of my seats in turn three. Pato absolutely loses his mind. Seven laps to go in a race where you cannot you cannot hold the lead for seven laps. There's an aerodynamic disadvantage. You're not going to hold the lead. He gets it in his mind. I've got to make the pass now. I've got to win this race right now. And he forces it, sends it in. And it's exactly what happened with Takuma Sato and Dario Frechiti 2012. He just swaps ends and ends up in the wall. It was in, you could see it coming the entire backstretch. So he's making the move way too late. And then it, just, it happened. It was dumb because he had a car that should have won a race. And it took out Augustine Campino. <laughs> and it took out Augustine Campino and my dark horse, uh, Simon Pagino, Samuel Pagino. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was just ugly. Did he get his left sides in the grass there before he spun? Was no. He, was he that deep? Or he, did he, just he get didn't get around? in the grass. He was just, he started too late. Yeah. His entry, he had a bad angle on the entry. Gotcha. He pitched he, himself down. He and Marcus were going to share the same apex. But he was going to get there by a half car too late. Well, it looked like they touched. They did. It was. I looked like right front to left rear. If you watch the Sato wreck from Sato and Dario. It was. It looked like a carbon copy it was come in, and 
unfortunately, the front end of an Indy car is a lot lighter than the back end. And so I think it's literally just the law of which one has the most mass at that point. And it's a bigger tire with an engine stuck next to it and a gearbox. And he just, he said, he's going up next time. I'll just take us both out. I'm like, good luck, buddy. But there's also a lot of people remind, uh, were reminded before most of you were born, 1989, uh, turn three, Emerson Fittipaldi and Al Unser Jr., same deal. And Al Jr. didn't make it out of that turn. Uh, then the yellow came out, and Al Jr. Uh, clapped instead of flipping off uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, and he won, and Emma won the race. But they said, "Hey, we can preserve laps. We can red flag it." And they've done that before. They they did that maybe I don't know which year. Maybe it was just last year. But they've done it a few times where, with a few laps to go in the race, you preserve it. You throw the red flag out. Okay, that one was not great, but it's it's been done. There was precedent, and then the. The final restart there, I guess that was, it, they took him four laps to clean up. So maybe it went from seven to go to three to go somewhere in there. Pato. Oh, hell Pato. There was also, they lost a lap because Pato tried to restart How, like 60 okay, miles I got an hour. Question for you, Cause you could see that better than I could. I know it's very hard to judge speed. How slow do you think Pato was going to 70? The they were all going if, slow. If that everybody, it was, it was like the, the pace car. It looked like or, they were trying to start at Long Beach. The, the normal. For, I'm sitting right in the short shoot between three and four, and the normal thing for me to see is the pace car comes around, and when the, when they're done, lights are off. They come by by themselves. But normally, as they're disappearing around four, the field comes into three. In this case, I felt like I sat there and could have chugged a beer, <laughs> and the field hadn't shown up yet. Yeah, and I'm like, where's the field? And we're like, somebody's like, Pato's dragging it. And we're like, oh my gosh. It was the slowest. And then before they even got to the exit of four, they're just like, caution. Yeah, they just said, no, this lap. is a joke. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it looked like 50 miles an hour. So, yeah, Pato screwed up twice there in that last 10 yeah. laps. Uh, so then they, they have another restart. And then the back end of its field loses its mind coming to green. Th- two or three cars crashed. Benjamin Peterson, one of the Foyt cars, Ed Carpenter. That was a disaster of a restart, and then that's where things got really weird, and IndyCar had a bit of a panic moment because they ran one lap under caution, and then they said, oh, we can still stop. We can save this, and they threw the red flag out. I think the NBC broadcast was pretty well awarding the win to Marcus Erickson, Mm -hmm. and then they heard Zach screaming from his (gasps) seats and saying, not again, not Marcus, that son of a bitch. I was like, who's in the lead? And they showed (laughs) Marcus. I was like, not anybody but Marcus. And he was in the lead. And it was like three wide at the start finish line. Yeah. The restarts have been a dumpster fire. Like they would come in front of me like three wide and they haven't got the green yet. <laughs> let me so- let me ask you this, because it's it's a problem in NASCAR. Like the green white checkers, it you can almost, you can't guarantee it, but it's it's a majority of the time if there's a caution anywhere under twelve laps to go, you're, like there's gonna be gonna print green, out green, yeah, white, green checkered. white checkered and then there's gonna be a wreck because somebody's gonna send it in. And that's that's why Is I Is that a problem I tweeted out no? not normally. Not normally. That's why I had my little meltdown of please stop wrecking race cars. Yeah. Like it's they had such a clean month. They they made it through every practice day, all through qualifying. Nobody nobody got into the wall. Nothing went wrong. Then we had one accident made somebody go to a backup car on, on, on Monday, but that was it. And then you get the last half of the race and they, they start to lose their minds. 107 runnings in the Indy 500. It's always been 500 miles, 200 laps. Like it's that's straight up. Like 
the Daytona 500 somewhere in the last 15 years has been, you know, hell, they've run the Daytona 525 before. Like they've they've had I'm some extended laps. Infamously, like two years ago at the Brickyard, I left the I was I was there with four laps to go for the road course when the curbs went crazy, and it was oh. four laps to go. I was in the track, staying on Holman Boulevard, four laps to go. My camper was hooked up in lot two. Walked out, got my camper, drove home. Checkered flag flew as I was pulling into the Mister Fuel at State Road three, and because of construction, I took forty home because of the construction and it taken that long to complete four like in theory four laps but yeah we don't do green white checkers but that's the closest we've had and just happened to be a one lap shootout i it was very much unprecedented i was i was okay that happened you want to see a green flag finish if you can i was pretty well shocked that they didn't wreck again i had i had lost all faith (laughs) that they weren't going to just wad up more race cars um, I bet Marcus Erickson wishes they'd have wired up some more race cars. I'm just, yeah, I, I, to win, I'm but. happy it was clean, right? Like yeah. I, I'm happy. I'm happy the end of it was clean, but yeah, I was the reaction when you're part of the stands, positive or negative when they kept throwing the red, they cheered. They were happy. They, they cheered yeah. in our section. Yeah. Every everybody, time they say red flag, we're like, heck yeah. We're like, we're going to see a shootout here. Yeah. Power terrorists. There were some people that hadn't pissed the entire race that were kind of getting tired of the red flags, including me, because I had I had stayed in my seat and the guy next to me, same deal. He was, you know, we there there are amateurs that drink constantly up there and they have to leave every five laps and, and there's some of us that just figure it out and, and find a way to, to make it all two hundred. But uh there were some people that were getting a little ready to ready to get downstairs. And then we waited, you know, after the race is over, we hung out another 25 minutes because there's 80,000 people between me and where I'm trying to go uh, that are in the way. That's telling you, the crowd is just insane. Sounds awful. Insane. Oh, it's good people watching, though. Spectacular people people watching. watching. That's what I did for probably the first two and a half, three hours when we got parked early in the morning. Set the tailgate down and I just like put my sunglasses on (laughs) and I was just looking at just the range and the uniqueness of you see people right, that, some people look kind of normal and then there's it's, it's an event we took so we we have the passes to be on the grid before the race and then i i made the decision I, I talked to sarah into hey let's take the tram so there's a tram that leaves from behind the museum that goes up to the north 40 which saved me about a mile of walking in in that crowd well it was like it was like being on a tram at the zoo but instead of it being animals it was people uh, and if you held your hand out, they'd hand you a beer. You're, but, des- you're describing the state fair tram. <laughs> it the was state, the state when fair it rolls tram. by the snake pit, and it rolls yeah. by, and it rolls by the turn three infield crowd. It was spectacular. Every time I go to the state fair, I just want to hand them like a twenty and just say I'm not getting off, <laughs> and just people watch. That was the tram at the Indy 500. Yeah. Beautiful. I can yeah, I can imagine the snake pit. I can see the snake pit from my seats. And I watch him. So I think somebody else counted. They said 12 ambulances left the snake pit throughout the day. And those people are at it at like 7 o'clock yeah. in the morning. They're at it. And I'm like... No DJ Diesel, though. No, no DJ Diesel. Yeah, that- A lot of Cascaded, apparently. But um, yeah. So yeah. I was watching that. You watch those people stream. They stream out for like an hour. Just a constant... Like the sidewalk to leave the track is about a car width or car lane wide. And then they start to take over one of the driving lanes, and it's that wide of people just streaming out. And that's just the people leaving that way. Just the ones there's, going north. There's probably people that are going west and are going out the track that way because there's a tunnel going out west too. But just a never-ending stream of people for like an hour 
And I'm like, how did, how many people do they fit in that area? It's like 40,000 people. And it's in a little corner of the track. You wouldn't even think you could hold a concert in except for the huge stage. All right. So here's one more thing I want to ask about. And then we'll, and we'll wrap the end of the race. They, they've got what they're calling the dragon, this move where the leader is weaving down the back stretch and now onto the front stretch as well. And coming off turn four in the last lap, Joseph Newgarden goes from being up on the racing service to being all of the tires pit lane into into the entrance to pit lane. Uh, and then they have to do this push back up above pit wall before before you enter pit lane. Scares the living crap out of me. Do you guys? I what, what, are, what are your views? They need to do something about it before somebody hits the attenuator. Because that's hits what's the attenuator gonna, or goes down pit road or goes down pit road. Yeah. Or yeah. Or. Or will happen is is that they'll hit the attenuator sideways, and their engine will go down pit lane and will hit somebody. Uh, especially like in that case, they, somebody pointed out that as the checkered fell, there were Connor Jack Daly, Harvey was on pit road. Well, Chris well, Con- well Connor Daly pointed. Out, he's like, our guys were still heading back to the pit box because they're when the red flag they're out. They've got a couple guys helping them with the car, so there were people on pit lane, and you'd be shocked how far a motor can probably go when it's doing two hundred miles an hour and it's swerving around. Um, yeah, it's, that's been a thing since like what, 2019, they need to do something before somebody hits the wall. Cause somebody's going to hit the wall and then they'll, they're going to get hurt or somebody else going to get hurt. It looks, I listened to off track today and, and hinge on quite a long thing. And I agree. It's, it doesn't look professional either. It looks like if you had my son Jackson, who's seven driving and he was just swerving for just out of chaotic, just, just trying to be chaos while driving. That's what it looks like. What do you think, Caleb? I think it's spot on with what he said. Um, you had you had a front row seat to it. Yeah, and I, yeah, I watched it and I thought he, we were all. Why are they here. pitting? I thought he was <laughs> flying into pit road. Yeah. Everybody did. Um, it's it's a recipe, I think, for potential disaster. Um, I know NASCAR has their guidelines where back in the day they used to have the solid yellow line. You couldn't go under it, and if you did, you got you got black flag and you had to go to the back. I don't know if it's going to get that serious, but. All it takes is one guy to just reaction time a little bit too slow, trying to save some aerodynamics, and he clips that wall, and then it could be really bad. I wonder if he'll die because some people aren't chasing it. Ferrucci didn't chase it. The first two guys were doing it, and I think they said during the previous run, somebody was doing it, they were doing it, uh, and somebody else, the guys in the back were like, yep, I'm just going to drive in a straight line. And wonder if he'll just, somebody will get if somebody gets beat while doing the dragon, it'll die. But hopefully it's they won't physically die. No, we'll wreck first. It'll just go away on its own. Or they'll rule it out. Yeah, they should just there's a dive line. Pit pit wall out. You shouldn't cross the dive line. Not two not two tires, no tires. Don't touch it. Any opinion, Jared, Dakota? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so didn't you watch the end of it? No. Pull up the finish of the eighty five hundred Dakota and look at it here and you'll see. You'll you'll see the, uh, the 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 maneuver we're talking about here. So so while you're it's doing dramatic. that, yeah, while you while you're doing that, we have a segment on our show called Green Flag Red Flag, and this would be you either say Green Flag for a yes, keep this a thing, and don't don't hold any restrictions, or Red Flag like this needs to stop. But we know Jeremiah's fed up with the red flags here, so um, I will say this to to your point if. Let's say the back half of the dragon tail stays in a straight line and they end up gaining on whoever that last person is that breaks off to follow it. 
um, and gets to their outside. I could imagine the car that ducks beneath the line to the left coming back up onto the track. Those two colliding, the front of that broken half and the back of the, the broken half of the dragon tail. Yeah. And there being a catastrophic a massive crash on the front from, from all of, of those guys at the back of that tail. Oh, yeah. And it's nobody's a, and nobody's lifting. It only it, it lasts a second. It looks like he's going into the pit lane and then boom, he curves out. And what Hinch should point out that I didn't even think about, those cars do not want to turn right. They're literally, if you watch them, sometimes to go straight, they have to turn them right. They'll naturally just build the cars to turn left, which is why you see him come off the turn and you'll see him go all the way to the inside wall because the, that's where the car naturally is going. And they scrub speed to, to make it go straight because they've got built to turn. So the cars aren't even liking the going right. It's interesting how Marcus Erickson is like, he's behind him the whole time he does it. Cause because Joseph, Joseph is trying to break the draft. So he's trying, he's trying to take away the advantage of Marcus Erickson and Marcus right. is sticking with him. I thought, in 2019, it happened right in front of me. I thought the race is coming to an end. Simon Pagenaud is leading into Alex Rossi's second. And Pagenaud, I thought, was blocking. Right, The very first time it happened, it was coming down the backstretch straight at us last lap. And I'm like, well, this will be fun. We're going to have a freaking penalty to decide the Indy 500. And there was no penalty. I was sitting there shocked, completely shocked that it was okay then. And it's just continued to get worse. Right, Every year after that, it's just become more and more of a problem. And it's gotten worse. Uh, 2020, it was under yellow. 21, Alec Pillow had no idea what he was doing, so he finished second. It didn't happen. And then the last two years, you've had this dragon deal. Uh, I'm kind of okay with it on the back stretch because it's not going to hurt. You're only going to hurt yourself. But on the front stretch, I either want the rule to be hell no, don't do, don't cross this line, or you've got to find a way to take pit road all the way out to turn four and say, y'all, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to start using the the access road and pit and pit road's going away. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, there's not a rule in place if you're Joseph Newgarden. Like, you're doing whatever it takes. Well, that's the last right? lap of yeah. the Indy 500. So, yeah, you're going to well, do whatever you have to. You, but you, drivers have to be protected from themselves. Absolutely. Because at some point, you know, that's why NASCAR came up with the double yellow yeah, line. Exactly, yeah. Because the same shit would happen. They'd run down the backstretch of Talladega. Oh, yeah. You'd make up three spots. And then, hey, guys, look out. I'm wide. coming back in. And, and you know, Elliot Sadler's flipping down in turn three. Video yeah. game move. It happened. You know, it was. They're going to do it. Right. It, yep. All right. Very good. But let's move into final thoughts. I know Dakota's up past his bedtime already. He's got to be asleep in 22 minutes. You guys don't understand. He's like three years out of his Buick face. He's already been through his Buick <laughs> he's face. Been through the Buick he's, face. He's through his Buick and, and he's looking at fine nursing homes. All right, Caleb, it has been a pleasure to have you here. Tell us anything else about the podcast. We've forgotten Anything you want to plug, any particular segment you do that you want to tell us about, this is where we back clean up and make sure we get through some things. Jared kind of touched it with the uh, green flag, red flag. I know um, we try, I don't know if you guys religiously do, you guys try to touch sports very often with your races or if you guys just kind of stick to the May thing. It, it, this show you, is about whatever the hell we want it to be basically. about. So it's not always about sports, it's always to, about, it's, it's whatever. We try to start our show off with kind of anything in our day-to-day lives, but nothing nothing really. Um, Jared kind of touched base on it pretty well about trying to stick to the grassroots. We like, for the most part, our show does cover all NASCAR and Xfinity and truck, but it's more based on the grass on the grassroots of Indiana racing and just trying to get people's stories out there to, like you said, get people to watch and grow the sport. Awesome. 
I would I would add, ever since we started this, it's got me more invested into other motorsports. Like this this year's five hundred was the first time I was like glued to my seat. Like I was like, okay, I'm gonna start watching any car. Yeah, I mean the, the ratings. I it's all anecdotal, right? I've had two people contact me that are like, hey, we're coming to Bethesda, Mid Ohio. Like they they were in, they watched the race, they watched, you know, they're they're, you know. Four or five people are now coming to Mid Ohio directly because of the Indy 500. Uh, it was the most watched TV show, the most watched Saturday, Sunday afternoon show since June on NBC. What was it was it 4.92 million? Yeah, it was basically it was the same. It's 13 percent of all TVs that yeah. were on, and almost five million people watched the the Indy 500. Uh, and it was the most since June of last year watching the U.S. Open. I mean, insane, insane number of people watching when you can't find. Everybody watches YouTube. Everybody does. They're watching something else on streaming. There's not a to find something other than NFL football that unites folks. Non-existent. Even then, it's probably the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it's regional for everything else. Not everybody's watching like the same games usually. Final thoughts, Zachary Bertram. No, I'm tired. Don't know what day it is. Finally, kind of recovering. At um, least it's nice and cool outside. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> awful. It's the same crap every year. We'd go from. Summer, it's Memorial Day weekend. Ran the furnace. It goes, Ran the furnace it, at, at, it, at Indy. It was so gorgeous last week. And my runs felt good because it was nice and cool. And then get home on set Monday, and it's like the the switch flipped. And it is, it's it's going to be 92 degrees or something on Saturday. But, um, no, good good race. Great weekend. Good time. Bummed it's over. Looking forward to next year. Um, look forward to mid-Ohio this year and whatever else I can get myself into. But. Um, other than that, I will. I did was look up. Uh, Dakota was asking about tire strategy, and the first Indianapolis 500, Ray Haroon asked the tire guys, "What what's the best speed to go at?" And he they said seventy five. So he just drove seventy five miles an hour, and he only went through one set of tires. He only swapped out one set. He went through three right rears. <laughs> we only changed four tires the whole time because he's like, "I don't care how fast anybody else goes. I'm going to go seventy five miles an hour," and he won the race. So the first race was won on trying to change as few tires as possible. Minimize your pit stops. Yeah. That's so that the, the Kenny Schrader, we, we've talked about oh. Kenny Schrader earlier. My favorite thing about him is he's like, it don't matter how you win the race. The only thing that matters is who crosses the finish line first. Yep. Doesn't matter if you did it on tire strategy, fuel strategy, you were the fastest car you ran the, you got to the end of the race faster than anybody else. How you did it does not matter. And you never apologize for it. There's entry blank. You put your name down, you got it in the race. You did it. Your boy Josh uh, says a coil wire broke in the mod. He's back to 100%. He's good to go. That's what I'm talking about, you Josh. Got your, you got your update. Teach, teach me how to, uh, how all that stuff works. I want to I want to know what, how long that took you to, to get that oh, thing. Oh, man, I, I blew a coil on my Dakota once doing a tune-up, and it took me two days to figure out what <laughs> went wrong. All right, Jared, what's next? Are you going to be owning a race car? Are you going to be you going to be driving? you going to be crewing? What's, what's, the, what's next? Yeah. So, and if so, what's the lie you're going to tell to get into it? Because if you're a good dinner with racers fan, you know that it all starts with a con. So there's a there's a few things I'll add. One is, um, you know, I I do enjoy racing myself. So I got a like a racing cockpit chair at home. Uh, it's got the wheel and the pedals and a shifter on it. I play a lot of Gran Turismo Seven. Caleb's been in the seat. You're uh, the next William Byron, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> I might be. I'm actually. So the Nations Cup right now is going on at Gran Turismo. I'm I'm ranked number one in the state. Uh, 47th nationally, and I think like 200th in the U.S. and Canada. So, I'm, I'm, I'm actually performing 
now on the game that I've gotten some sports car time. Um, and speaking of sports car drivers, um, I know NASCAR does a pretty good job of this, of bringing IndyCar guys and, and retired F1 guys with Project 91. Uh, Jordan Taylor will be racing. Garage the, 56. Yep, Garage 56. Uh, Jordan Taylor will be racing the number 10 uh, Colleague Chevrolet uh, during the Xfinity race at Portland. Yeah, Portland this weekend. Yep. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, from here, what we want to do is is obviously grow. Uh, Actually, get, a, a small correction. It's Rodney Sandstrom. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> His Twitter page. Uh, <laughs> he's, that's one of the most brilliant people on social media. Period. He's awesome. I love following him. But yeah, yeah, we're obviously trying to grow our audience, um, you know, look into, you know, getting some, some media credentials to be able to talk to drivers and things of that nature and um, just get around. And really this year is about learning for us um, and, and getting out to the tracks and understanding uh, who the drivers are and, you know, getting the FaceTime with them and just building from there. Like I would love to, you know, Josh has got our sticker on his car. I'd love to sponsor, uh, you know, him and, and Tommy in the future uh, if he gets another ride. But uh, and I'm excited about that. And there's there's a couple things I did want to hit on uh, just to promote some of our, our folks that have helped us out along the way. Um, one is uh, Yard Cart Nationals. So I know I glossed over it earlier, but Matt Monday has a, uh, a private racing series, which is the go-karts on dirt that I've been talking about, and which is something you, you probably had never heard of. But you can go on YouTube uh, or Facebook. Facebook, their Yard Cart Nationals page uh, has a lot of good content on there. You can watch the GoPro pro footage from from those drivers. They do a really good job of putting videos together. And Matt's got a uh, a YouTube page called Monday Moto. Are we doing ovals or twisties? Uh, they actually, I think they threw in a, a road course dirt track. Uh, oh, but so that'd yeah, be so awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they they've got they're they're obviously you know there's folks that are building new tracks and they're up to like 48, 50 drivers this year, like with a championship series and points and all of that, uh, which is really cool. Um, so if you guys want to check that out, uh, you know, go to their Facebook page or that YouTube channel that I just plugged. And then, um, you know, I'd be doing a disservice to our men and women in uniform without giving a veteran shout out. So Lee Legrand, uh, he's a retired as a first Sergeant in the, in the Marine Corps. I met had a chance to work with him in 2018 for a year um, and actually got to run security with Marines up at Kansas Speedway uh, that year as well. Uh, saw Chase Elliott's Mountain Dew scheme that year. And long story short there, he's getting excited over a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I, so uh, Lee Legrand has a, a YouTube channel. It's LW Legrand and I'll post it on, I post it on our socials all the time, but anyways, he, just does so many things for like our veterans in and out of uniform. Uh, you know, whether it's talking about folks that have PTSD or just lack of motivation, getting through the the civilian life and transitioning or, or whatever it may be. He's really big in a fit fitness right now. And he's doing, he's actually got a bodybuilding co- uh, competition coming up, which the dude is just absolutely jacked. But long story short there, uh, if you want to check him out, go to his YouTube page um, he's doing a lot of really good things, and I don't think he's got the audience or credit he deserves for the things that he's doing. So, um, and the last thing that I have is uh, July the fourth. There's a memorial event, and I'll pull up the name here in a second. But they're doing a 
um, a go-kart event at the Bloomington, uh, Indiana fairgrounds. And I forget Kevin's last name. Let me pull it up. He was a sprint car driver in the nineties. And this is their second annual memorial event. All right. Let me get to it here. All right. They call it the Huntley hustle. So Kevin Huntley, um, I think he was a two-time all-star champion in sprint cars back when he was driving. But anyways, yeah, they started, they built a track out at uh, one of the properties out there and started bringing, you know, drivers in. And Kevin was, you know, basically funding a lot of the the stuff that to, to make this stuff happen. And he passed away uh, January, I think, of 22. And so they're doing their second annual uh, go-kart event at the Bloomington, Indiana fairgrounds on July 4th weekend. So if you don't have any, any plans, I think right now they got like 48 drivers with a $3,900 purse and a thousand dollars to win. And so if you guys want to go out there and support, uh, what those guys are doing, um, that's going to be on the 4th of July. It'll be on the 4th of July so on, the, so. on the Tuesday night. Yeah. So you got the day off guys. Go, go, go watch some race cars. Yeah. And take the next day off probably too. do yourself so. a favor. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> especially if you're going to Bloomington. But yeah, that's that's uh that's all I got. I mean, I, I if like I said, if you guys want to give us a follow on Facebook, we post a lot of stuff there, and then we're on Spotify as well. So, but I really can't thank you guys enough for having us on. It's been a a blast. Um, you know, I love watching your guys' shows from time to time and listening to you guys. You always have some good banter uh, between you and Dakota. So I know there's a lot of pressure over here in this corner most of the time, but. Uh, you did a really good job at the uh, the two tires and fuel only uh, educational piece. No, but nobody likes doing public math either. So like, I was I was impressed with the uh, the you know firing from the hip there. Yeah, did a yeah. good job. And and I might watch Cars Three after this. You better watch Cars Three. Dakota I mean, is being well, legend into being becoming a race fan. The the no tires just gas sign that's in the first cars. That's Cars One. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. that's when right. he refuses to have his pit crew. Right. Well, he, no, he has his pit crew. His pit this crew team. leaves him after the race. Whenever he says that uh, there's more to racing than just winning and that he's a one-man show. So so just to give, <laughs> Cars 3 cast includes Paul Newman, Darrell Waltrip, Humpy Wheeler, Ray Everham, Jeff Gordon, Lewis Hamilton in there for, for fun, Kyle Petty, Junior Johnson, Richard Petty, Daniel Suarez, Bubba Wallace, Chase Elliott, Mike Joy. They got some... And Junior Johnson is basically playing himself. I only knew. I what knew year, that what year did Cars Three come out? Is it like they've got some dead people in here? I was going to say, way. is Paul Newman posthumous? Yeah. No, Paul yeah, Paul Newman is definitely posthumous, and also they have the two guys. And I always people don't. It's one of those inside that the, the movie's got Easter eggs kind of all over it. It's got the guys who did Car Talk, and one of them has been dead for years. But there's so much Car Talk audio that the family said, "Yeah, that's okay," and they just create his audio wow. out of. Because they've got, I mean, thousands of hours. So, um, so I knew about guys. Dale Jr. because Dale Jr. plays a... He plays himself in it. No, what's his name? He plays... Well, they give him names, but... Chip Weathers. Uh, Strip Weathers. Is that his name? Is it Chip or Strip? I have to... I can't remember. I can't remember. I need to go back he and watch plays, it again. He plays the son of the guy who... Uh, Ray, who wrecked, had a horrible wreck in the first movie. Yeah. And he plays the son who has taken over the Dynaco brand and the number and everything. 
from his dad. So that one's pretty obvious. That, that might pretty be Kyle because Kyle because the Dinoco is very much STP. Yeah. Yes. I mean, those are great movies. You should watch. Dakota them. can't tell North Carolina from North Carolina. No, he doesn't know, know I, a Randall McKenna know, from a High Point kid Dale to a, to a Kannapolis kid. I know Dale Jr. is the Dinoco oh, part because I looked I'm it good, up. I'm going to tell a funny story though. So this audition, we're we are three feet from Dale Jr. and oh, I just forgot the Steve name. Steve Latart. Steve Latart. And but they are in NBC mode. They Steve have, is tall. Yeah, Steve is tall. Yeah, some of these people are taller than you think. But and there's a woman standing there holding a TV monitor on a stick. And one of the people that's in the audition because some or the rehearsal because when they came, we came back for the afternoon, it was probably like ten or fifteen of us that had been there in the morning, and the rest of them they just used random volunteer college kid employees to fill in the rest of the field for people who didn't come back. Well, this one guy is like really determined to like talk to Dale Jr. because. If you're in racing circles, he is like a prince of a sport. Like there's his dad is immortal. And this guy walks up and he kind of looks at Dale and he looks at her and she just looks at him and just shakes her head. No, don't ain't happening today. Don't guy. even try it. And he just gave up like, cause he's like, cause Dale was not giving us any attention at all. He was like looking at his I, phone. At one moment, Dale was signing autographs and I was like, Oh, or, or taking pictures, taking pictures with people. And then it just stopped. He, he, he wasn't yeah. doing it anymore. He didn't give it a whole lot of time to do it. Yeah, there's. I'm holding this picture. Steve Tart's like a, a head taller than him. They were right behind us. Steve Tart was all over all weekend. But yeah, yeah, we saw Steve. I think I think I walked by Steve on pit road. It might be qualifying day. Am I, or, yeah, I think he was there the week before. Yeah, yeah. The, but this woman's expression when she looked at him and was like, "Don't even think about it." It was funny. Exactly. It's, it's about time for them to get started again for NASCAR. Yeah, they're NBC's they're coming up. They're, they take over at Nashville in July. Dakota, final thoughts? You, you still Cal training Weathers, for your big race? Strip Weathers is uh, the one who wrecks, and Cal Weathers is his son. I just had to get that out there. How, gonna... how's, how's the mini marathon training going? Um, fine, I guess. All right. Sounds like a man that's committed to it. I haven't paid yet. I got paid before June 6th Jeez. because the price goes up. Travis texted me about it. <laughs> You don't. You've been promoting the hell out of this thing. You don't get a complimentary admission to this. Payday is tomorrow. My so I'll, God, I'll be paying my entry fee tomorrow. Yep. Zach's still trying to decide if he's running in that or if he's going to run the. He's going to go hang out with Rodney Sandstorm at the IMSA race. Why don't you pace me, Zach? I'm not fast enough to pace you based off my last half marathon. Pace me. I'm trying for nine minutes fifty nine seconds. Oh, you slowed down. Yeah, I've slowed way down. My long runs, I've realized that like my <laughs> knees hurt a lot. <laughs> my knees hurt a lot, Zach. I I had to slow way I, down. I did have an oh crap moment because I get an update on June first, like how my May went, and I only ran like what eighty six miles in May. But I ran one hundred and forty six in the month of April, and I was like, dang, Zach, you were doing something. It didn't amount to anything. Race. <laughs> I put some miles down that week. That's yeah. It's a lot more miles than what I ran. Zach, you ran yeah. the entire width of the state of Indiana in April. Yeah. You ran from Richmond to Terre Haute. Almost. And, and, and a little in Illinois. Yeah, not quite because two different spots to run to and from, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a little farther than that because then Tom Raper is at 149A or something like that. Somewhere yeah. in there. But I, I'm, giving there, you, yeah. I'm giving you a little I'm giving you a little help. So you, never never turn away a compliment. You you sign up tomorrow, I'll sign up tomorrow. You can pace me for 10 minutes and then at the very end the last mile we just kick it in and then I can get under Zach will 2 hate hours. Himself. No, there's no way. He's not he's not he, he he's collapsing at the end. 
He doesn't have another gear at the end. He can pace me. He's no, if, no those so. people, those people though, those people that go running and sprinting at the end, I'm like, they had more to give. They had way more to give. You got enough to sprint at the end of a half or a full. That, then you probably were. You probably had another ten minutes. You I've set, Zach I've finishes been. a race and he's out of fenders, out of tires, out of out of motor. He's done. I it's am all on the verge of tears. It's on, all it's over. All right, thank you guys very much for being a part of the show. We got to wrap this up. We are running very long, uh, and and it's Dakota should have been in bed seven minutes ago. We thank you all for the support. We will be back Thursday night.